Hey guys, I am here today with the president of Infected Blood Australia, Charles McKenzie. Infected Blood Australia is a non-for-profit incorporated association seeking justice for Australian victims of the global infected blood scandal. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Oh, good day, Katachik. I, I have to say, I love, I love your name. What a, what a great name. Thank and we you. Have, uh, we have members of our group, Infected Blood Australia, who already already listened to your podcast. That's how I found out about you through their recommendation. And oh. uh, I've I've seen your episode list, and I've got to tell you, I had a little listen uh, to a couple, and uh, wow, what information and, and so crucial for us here. So it's great to be on. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to have you guys on too. And yeah. for everyone listening, um, he's 16 hours ahead of me, so he's drinking tea. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. It's uh, it's in Australia we do generally do tea in the day, beer at night, as I was yep. just saying to Leah. And uh, but Leah is at night time, so she's on beer, and it's very it's going to be a good show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So tell us your past and how all of this happened. Well, actually, to tell you my past, uh, I've really got to tell you about someone else, and it's um, I. Uh, Grew up in Sydney, Australia, but I went to a school. It was actually a chorister's school for choir boys here in, in Sydney called St Andrew's Cathedral School. And I became aware in the mid-1980s of another boy at the school who I'm going to refer to today as H. I'm not going to give him his real name uh, properly because his name is protected by the courts all these years later, 35 years later, I think it is, because he was a child. He was very young. Mm -hmm. And what happened to H was he had a bleeding disorder called haemophilia. Now, this uh, bleeding disorder, in many cases, was non-life-threatening. And so parents were basically told, well, what you should do is you should put uh, your children on a treatment because it might help them uh, stop the bleeding because haemophiliacs can bleed internally, uh, uncontrollably in the worst-case scenarios. And in other case scenarios, it could be quite protracted and they can lose a fair bit of blood and, or it could cause uh, disfigurement or injury. So... Uh, in some cases, well, in all cases, basically, they are recommending that uh, these uh, children and other adults with this disorder uh, take a mass pool blood product. This blood product was introduced in Australia uh, in the 1980s, and it was called Factor 8, and it was made from as many as 7,000 different donors in one little bottle. Uh, so if just one of those donors was infected with something like HIV and Hep C, and it was launched in the 1980s when these viruses exploded, so what happened was this little boy called H has some bruising and it's 1983 and the parents taken to hospital and the hospital says, well, the protocol is we give you this blood product called Factor 8 and that blood product transferred HIV to H. He was 11 years of age and he develops full blood. He develops full blown AIDS at the scariest time of AIDS, which was in the 1980s. It's not as scary a diagnosis now. Uh, things have come a long way, haven't they? But in the 1980s, trust me, I was there. It was uh, the most terrifying thing. We had commercials on television, scaring people, uh, scaring the wits out of people. Discrimination was at an absolute peak. And what happened was no one would help H. The Australian government refused to help him. And I couldn't believe it. He went to my school. I couldn't believe they were treating him like this. And I realised any government that would treat a boy like this, you know, I had concerns about. And then what happened was, ironically, uh, in 1988, I myself, this is after H had got AIDS, I myself had bone marrow failure. Um, oh, no. and, 
yeah, I, I took a um, I took a medication. Uh, my GP said I I've got some acne, and I did. I was a teenager, but not that much. I thought anyway. But he said you should take this uh, medication every day, a pharmaceutical, and I did, and I had an adverse reaction, and I, my bone marrow failed, and uh, because of that, I required blood and blood products. So I'm already worried about this kid that went to my school. He was treated very badly. He's dying of AIDS, and now I'm expected to get blood. So that's how my story began. I knew that the blood would be contaminated with something before I was even uh, transfused. So basically, that's how it all began. Wow. I was, I, I was given tainted blood as a kid. That, that's horrifying. Like, knowing you're going to go into that and, like, you have no choice. I can't imagine how you must have felt. Like, oh, my God. So after this happened and you were, you know, given this, you know, infected blood, what, what did the Australian government do about it? Well, you know, you've got to remember that this disease that I had when my bone marrow failed, it was the same disease as, uh, I don't know if people in America will remember, there was a, a kid in the 1970s called Ted DeVita. You can look him up on Wikipedia. And uh, there are, there's another kid too as well. And, and they had bone marrow failure or they had no immune system. And Ted DeVita had severe aplastic anemia, right? So I had this same disease. He was known as the, the boy in the plastic bubble. So I've got this. And I've also got now the feeling I've got tainted blood. It's the 1980s. And what did the Australian government do about it? Okay, well, they covered it up. So not only are we fighting these people like H is fighting his haemophilia and his AIDS, and I'm fighting being a plastic boy in the plastic bubble with no immune system, I'm also fighting tainted blood, and the government basically said it didn't happen. And so as a result, uh, in my case, they just didn't admit it, so it was covered up, so people thought that we were liars. So that's how I started out, basically, realising, well, I'm going to live the rest of my life as a liar, uh, and I've only just started life, and, and already H at that time was dying. He, he actually... Uh, had to sue the Australian government, and unfortunately, um, he never got to finish the case. He, he died in 1989. He used to say, it feels like the pages, the, the chapters of my book have been ripped out, you know, the, the middle and end chapters. You've got the starting chapter, but they've ripped the middle and end chapter. He died, and there was no help whatsoever. And so they, the Australian government cut it up, and I realised, okay, that's where we are. Wow. That's insane. So... You were not ready to accept that, no. So what did you do about that? Oh, well, what did <laughs> I do? And we're going back a long time. It's so great to speak to you today because it feels in a way we get very little attention down here in Australia from the rest of the world because the rest of the world is busy with, you know, its own, own, own things. And um, what did I do about it? I realised, well, I'm not having this. Um, I'm not going to start my life. I mean, I've just seen a kid from my school get ter treated terribly why would Australian taxpayers, why would any taxpayer anywhere in the world want to see a little boy who's just had this terrible condition, you know, HIV AIDS from blood, why wouldn't we want to help him? Why wouldn't we want to provide the optimum health care? If H was going to die at that time, why couldn't we do everything possible to make him and his family more comfortable at that time? So I was outraged on just a principle level. Uh, they breached my principles. What did I do about it? 
Uh, well, I'm non-violent. I'm all, yeah, I'm non-violent. I'm total pacifist. I don't believe in any violence. But if you can have a sort of green version of Rambo, <laughs> a, a, a peaceful Rambo, I went Rambo on them. I've uh, taken them to court. I've been part of court cases. I've researched, investigated them for decades. I've forced a couple of inquiries, one of which was a, a Senate inquiry uh, in 2004 into a, the Australian uh, hepatitis C scandal of the blood supply. And at that turned out to be a cover up. And, and here we are today, still fighting, still campaigning for justice. And I was speaking with you in the middle of this, but you, you, you're talking to us while we're in the middle of this battle that's been going for 35 plus years. This is insane. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's mind blowing that they're just like, nope, cover it up, cover it up. Like, yeah. Because they have no idea what to do. Like, uh. well, there's a reason why they're covering it up. Yeah. And it's to do, it's to do with $140 billion. Australia oh. established, yeah. And guess what? America, America actually, uh, this is an interest of people in the United States. You have blood plasma collection centres all over America called CSL Plasma, right? Well, they actually originally came from Australia and they're part of an Australian company based in Victoria called CSL. And CSL actually were an arm of government. They were what was called a fractionator. They used to make blood products like the one that killed little H with AIDS. So the Australian Red Cross in Australia, they collect the blood and they test the blood and they sent it to this government uh, laboratory, which made these products called Factor 8, which killed little kids like, like H. Well, to get away with it, they knew they'd infected everybody. They knew that thousands of people are infected. They knew that CSL had infected kids in Australia and thousands of people in the region across Southeast Asia. And so what they did was the Australian government privatised CSL in, in 1994 and indemnified them. So after this is after the fact that they knew they'd infected everybody and then said, okay, we won't have to face any sort of uh, compensation issues. You're going to be identified. Now, as a result, they became a $140 billion company. They're Australia's first $100 billion company. I think they're our fourth uh, biggest company. They're a darling of the stock market. They're loved by the share market here. And, and, and people, Australia doesn't have many apples. You know, we don't have many big companies like you guys in America. So this is our biggest, you know, this is our version of Apple. This is a CSL is the biggest blood products company in the world. So the Australian government don't want to go near the issue because they worry that CSL will lose $140 billion. Because when people find out that they knowingly distributed contaminated blood, they'll be in trouble. It's all about money. Everything yes. comes down to this. Like Yes. The energy that runs the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so devastating. Um, so how did all this affect not only the people around you, but the other victims of this crisis? Okay. Well, what we're talking about with this, this is Australia's deadliest medical scandal. So we're talking about tens of thousands of Australians, okay, who, who some of them, and, and still today out there, they don't know they've got viruses because the government has never told people to go and get tested. Now, we don't want anyone to panic. Uh, we did do a recall for HIV. That was done in the mid-80s. So anyone that may have been at risk from blood uh, from HIV in the mid-80s, I would say, uh, got contacted. But they never did that for hepatitis C, which is, of course, a deadly virus, which is a leading cause of liver cancer and a leading requirement of uh, liver transplant in the world today. Okay, it's devastating. And it's, it's transmitted through blood, blood to blood contact, right? And so 
you had all these women in Australia who were infected with hepatitis C from blood given during childbirth. Because of the cover-up, they weren't told they were at risk. So suddenly they're getting all these symptoms, and, and some of them are new wives, new, new brides, and they can't tell their husbands what's going wrong. And so their husbands were saying, well, why are you half a partner, half a parent? Um, and as a result, many of them lost their marriages. So they, 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 they went for years going to psychiatrists, and they didn't know what was wrong with them. Neither did the doctors, as they haven't been warned about this outbreak, this, this outbreak of contamination. So how did it affect them? It destroyed lives. It ended marriages. It wrecked virtually every family. Uh, people have got PTSD because they didn't know what was wrong with them. They went for decades. I mean, I've got friends who went for 20 years before finding out what was wrong with them. In that time, they've been given psychiatric medication, all sorts of other diagnoses. And how did it affect them? It devastated them. How did it affect me and the people around me? Um, oh, wow. Uh, they saw me uh, become a young man in the 1990s. And uh, I, we lived in the shadows, we, you know, we lived in the shadows and uh, we basically, we suffered in silence for decades. Oh my gosh. Apart from me, of course, because I was shouting about it, but you know, we still <laughs> suffered, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were shouting. <laughs> yeah, that's You're right. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's in the fact that I didn't even know about this in the first place says a lot too. Like they yeah. really covered this up. Then that's very, yeah. very devastating. They have, you know, it's amazing because America knows all about HIV and AIDS and, 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 and tainted blood and all of that because you guys have legal cases and to, to a large extent have addressed this. Um, and perhaps there's people in America that didn't get settlements that they, they should have had, but it has been to some extent uh, erased. You know, we know about Arthur Ashe, the tennis player, the famous American tennis player. Uh, he was a Wimbledon winner, win, winner I think, uh, a big champion. And unfortunately, Arthur Ashe, he, he acquired HIV AIDS from blood. You know, the guy who played the Predator, the original Predator in the science fiction movie, he also was a tainted blood victim. So America knew about this, but Australia doesn't have many big companies. We don't have many big exports. So Australia has kept it covered up. So what you guys, you know, um, deal, dealt with 30 years ago, 35 years ago, we haven't dealt with, and it's 35 years later. Wow. So what were you using to treat your symptoms? Okay, well, this is the big one. This is the purpose, I guess, of today's podcast. And thank <laughs> you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for staying uh, listening, because uh, I tell you what, if you want to hear about a comeback bigger than Rocky and Rocky 3, uh, this is it. And uh, <laughs> Okay, so what happened was this. I'm sure everyone at the moment, uh, and I'm not going to get into anything critical or positive about him. I'm just going to say I'm sure everyone's heard of the, the band Dr. Fauci. And he's on everyone's lips at the moment in America, I guess, and around the world. Well, uh, Dr. Fauci, of course, in the 1980s, uh, there was some controversy about um, his support of the antivirals for people with HIV. These antivirals in the first generation of them uh, were pretty toxic and uh, people found them very hard to take. So the, the, the early 90s were, were pretty tough times. The antivirals that they had for things like HIV were very tough, and the antivirals they had for hepatitis C were very tough. But a lot of people in our group are survivors of that. So you've got two uh, scandals. You've got number one, the infection, and you've got number two, the treatment. So people were hit twice, not just once, but twice. They got devastated by the antivirals. It killed people in front of my eyes. I watched friends die on them, and, and what happened with me was, was we were feeling sick in the 90s, you know, the 80s, the 90s. We felt really ill. 
And so many of us live very restricted lives, right? Nauseous, uh, you know, we've lived nausea every day for 30 years. My gosh. Migraines, itchy skin, you know, every, every day. It's been like a crucifix that's just gone on and on and on for some people. But what happened was I decided because my bone marrow had failed because of the pharmaceutical medication, I decided I'm not having any of these. I just don't trust them. And doctors said, you're crazy. You need to see a psychiatrist. You're going to die without them. And even friends said, listen, you've got to get on this stuff like we are. And, and I, I actually said to them, they said, you're going to die if you don't. And I actually said, well, I'm going to die then. Uh, I, this is the way I want to go. So what happened was I lived every day like it was my last. And I decided, right, well, if I'm going to die, I'll campaign like I've never campaigned before. And I really upped the ante. You know, have a look on Google, type Charles McKenzie, tainted of blood, uh, contaminated blood, you know, you'll see. <laughs> so I really upped the ante because if I'm going to die, I'll, I'll go out that way and my friends will live. Because, you see, I didn't want my bone marrow to fail again. And a lot of these people had functioning bone marrow, whereas I could never get a bone marrow transplant. I still haven't had one today. So I decided I'd go down the natural road. And in the 90s, I started taking a thing called milk thistle to protect my liver, right? Yeah. But then, but then and vitamins. I got into vitamins as well. That, that's really helped me. But still, I was still very bad. My sleep was bad. I'd probably get about, I don't know, I'd probably sleep once every seven days. It was shocking stuff. So this is what happened, what I did about it. Uh, I was by about the mid 2000s, I'm getting weaker now and I'm heading basically for physical retirement. I can't get out of bed. And, and my number one goal is to, to push this issue, what's killed so many of my friends. And it's all big problem. I, I just uh, burped off my TV there, but um, what happened was <laughs> it should have been you with your Corona beer. Anyway, uh, what happened was um, I was, uh, I met a chap. And I'm going to call him uh, affectionately the cannabis blood brother. And this chap asked for no money and he wanted nothing but to tell me that there were other options. He'd been helping people with cancer and he'd seen those people survive and actually even cure their cancers. I, I was amazed. And so what happened was I had the best ever teacher. Of course, I'd tried cannabis before and uh, uh, different from Bill Clinton, your former American president, I inhaled. Uh, and I actually didn't have the best time because I found out later I'd taken too much too soon. Mm -hmm. So now here I am in the mid 2000s, uh, or, you know, a few years ago, talking uh, to this chap. And uh, I'm told about uh, how you can slowly open up your cannabis receptors. Uh, I'm saying, what receptors are these? He's going, well, you've got them internally inside you. They're in you. I'm going, how can that be? I mean, it's illegal. We can't have receptors for something that's illegal and bad, can we? Can we? Yes, we do. It's called the endocannabinoid system. And if you treat it slowly, if you slowly work with it, it'll treat you really well. And so I did exactly what he said. He said, take, a, take this uh, cannabis uh, medicine. And I did. And I only took a little bit, about half the size of a rice grain of this cannabis oil, which we will call the full spectrum oil. I put it under my, now I'm bed bad at this stage, night one, I put it under my tongue. Woke up the next day, no issues, uh, only a couple hours sleep, no real change. Uh, took it the second day, no real change. Okay, all right, well, I didn't feel anything weird, good, bad, anything. Third day, woke up. Um, what just happened? I've just been asleep for eight hours for the first time in decades. And what was more incredible was I remember who I was as a kid before I ever got given tainted blood and before I ever had bone marrow failure. Would you like to know something? I, yeah. um, I, after decades of being in the prison of my body, I was suddenly released and I returned to who I was before all of this began. 
I can tell you, it was like someone had given me a double kidney transplant and a heart and lung transplant. It was the best, one of the best days of my life, discovering oh my medicinal God. cannabis. Yeah. That almost makes me want to cry. <laughs> yeah, it like, was the best thing. It's been the best thing. It's been the best thing. It, it's given us life again. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> Need a moment for that. <laughs> that is like, oh, wow. Yes. I'm like, this is why I do what I do. Yep. Okay. <laughs> You're doing a noble thing. Yeah. So, wow. So, continue on. <laughs> well, what happened was, okay, well, um, what's happened is suddenly I'm able to walk around and the, the greatest gift was I'm able to have a full night's sleep. That was just incredible. And then what happened was I, I, I used to love going for walks when I was a kid. I was a very active kid. I loved playing football. Uh, I just, you know, I thought I could be a footballer when I was young. Well, of course, because I'd had bone marrow failure, because I ended up having the same disease as the boy in the plastic bubble, and because I got tainted blood, the best hope I was was to die and probably, a, 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 you know, a, a non-painful death if it, could, if it could be arranged. And suddenly now... I'm able to walk. So I thought, well, I'll get back to going for walking again. I'll, I'll get back to enjoying myself <laughs> and I get got back to living my life. So now I've got this spare time. What am I going to do with it? Well, actually, what I did with it was really reinvigorate this campaign for Infected Blood Australia, the campaign for Australia's deadliest medical scandal. So the classic of this is, is that this campaign for tens of thousands of people, in some way at least, has been fueled by medicinal cannabis. And, and may I say, it's my understanding that the endocannabinoid system, uh, Leah, was identified, I think it was in the 80s or early 90s. And that discovery, if we had known about that in the 80s, if we had known about medicinal cannabis, I know that other people did, but if we, people with HIV and Hep C, had known about that down in Australia, I know that more of my friends would be with me here today. It's just that that's the sad part is... It, it, you know, because we're behind here in Australia uh, in terms of medicinal cannabis from America. But yeah, we lost lots of people. And um, that's the only sad part. But the good part, the good part is, well, uh, we've got members of our group now. These are people who've got HIV and got Hep C. These are people who've also got cancer. And, and they're using uh, medicinal cannabis to survive. And so the group is back. We're getting stronger. We've got lawyers. Uh, yeah, and we, we're going to force a le massive legal investigation into this scandal now because we're able to live a bit longer and feel better. So we're able to campaign. That's amazing. And like, what do all of you, or maybe you, I don't know if you know what everyone uses um, to treat yourself. Is it just the RSOs or do you smoke? What else do you do? Okay, well, actually, uh, I did listen to a couple of your podcasts, uh, um, Leah, and uh, it, this is your information. Uh, the episode on PTSD I found very valuable. Um, I also had, I developed PTSD uh, uh, through this uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and the shock is actually I found out that pretty much all people who receive tainted blood, a, a, you know, a large amount of them end up getting PTSD. So what do I use? Well, I... Uh, when I can, I use a full spectrum cannabis oil. And uh, that is like so good because I put it under my tongue or take it in the capsule uh, last thing at night. And it all happens without me knowing. I go to sleep and the next day I wake up energized and it's like I've been on a health farm for two weeks. That's how I feel. It's like, wow, man. And, and you know, I've been to parties where people might have ingested cannabis and the next day they might be a little bit dopey or whatever. <laughs> 
the more cannabinoids you give me, if it's the right strain, it's like Samson's strong with his hair. Okay, well, imagine my hair is cannabinoids. You, you give me that and my body is ready and, and I go normal. So, so what I do is I am good with the full spectrum cannabis oil. It covers me all throughout the day. But about, say, maybe about 4 p.m., I might start to feel like I'm getting a bit of nausea or a couple of symptoms. Okay, well, what I'll do in that instance is, because I'd like to still get you know, do things, I'll vape. So I'll, I'll vape cannabis flower, which, you know, very quickly deals with that and, and it almost tops up the levels. Um, other times what I might do is I might take a very gentle, say, MCT oil with uh, a gentle amount of cannabis flower in it, you know, maybe uh, an ounce, as we say, or 25 grams of cannabis placed into 170 mils of MCT oil. I might take you know, a mil of that or even uh, two mils of that. Um, and, and so there's my cover. And how do other people take it? Well, we have other people in the group who, as I say, they were contaminated blood victims uh, and they ended up getting cancer and they ended up uh, you know, with all sorts of problems. So they've actually cured their cancer using cannabis. They're, they're with us today. <laughs> and, uh, and we have others, of course, who are, yeah, it's so good. It's the comeback. It's, you, you couldn't, you know, I just wish those other people that uh, died before we got this knowledge were here to share it because, yeah, in a way, I don't feel guilty so much, but it is, yeah, it's like we, 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 we managed to hang on just in time to find out about this life-changing, really important addition to healthcare. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm just blown away. I think I read somewhere that cannabis can in, increase the strength of your immune system if you have like an autoimmune disorder and stuff like that. And But for healthy people, it could have like the opposite effect. But it's crazy how it can, it can really strengthen it for... So, uh, Leah, this is so good to talk to you. It really is. Because, as I say, you, you've got that um, understanding, okay? Get this. So, a lot of people with this virus hepatitis C that's transmitted through blood that infected tens of thousands of Australians. It's our biggest medical scandal. Okay. Now, a lot of people, what's happened, I've known people for decades with this virus, and they go on to fibrosis of the liver, scarring of the liver. Then they go on to cirrhosis of the liver. Now, these are people that have been given the, the conventional pharmaceutical treatments. In many cases, they've now, uh, you know, some of these treatments will take a year and it felt like you're on chemo. Now they've got antiviral drugs, which take, you know, about three months and, and, and are successful in clearing the virus. But people still end up with cirrhosis and they still end up with cancer. Well, I've been on cannabis now for a good many years. And I've got to tell you something. I, I have seen my viral load go down and something I never imagined. I went and had my liver scan recently, and I'm expecting cirrhosis, you know, all sorts of stuff. Guess what? No scarring. It was normal for a man of my age, 49. And guess what? I thought, wow. And then I rang up the cannabis blood brother, and he said, see, 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 what? See, you're different, brother. We're going to do this differently, right? So, wow, I'm the only one I know who didn't get cirrhosis, right? So, so uh, yeah, basically, I don't, I'm losing trade of where I'm going. I'm so excited, but I wanted to tell the world. Uh, but yes, okay, now I remember the, okay, so, so what's happened is I didn't get the scarring on my liver. But what did happen, though, after the years was I started to develop, if you took the cannabis away, the shock was I had been, uh, I didn't understand that the virus actually gone to my brain. And it's, I've actually developed a, pr a pronounced set of neurological uh, problems. So if you take away cannabinoids from me, I, I walk wobbly and I could fall over. So I walk like I've got mad cow's disease. I'll also not be able to sleep. 
uh, I'll have temperatures like I'm in the Sahara Desert or I'm in the uh, Arctic, my body goes absolutely crazy. So the incredible thing that you're saying is, if you give me a really strong THC cannabis oil, and you know, I adjust to it, maybe I've been exposed for a couple of days, get used to different strains. Uh, other people would be comatose maybe for about a week, really tired, not me. And, and people have seen it again and again, it's the opposite. Like you were saying, Leah, people could get very drowsy, very, very uh, smashed, as we say in Australia. Not me. Oh, no, not me. No way. It's the opposite. But you feel normal when you have THC in your system. Yeah. I, I you feel like a, yeah. Do you feel high at all? I, I can do, but it's rare. Um, uh, like, uh, yeah, it's actually rare. It's, it's like, have you ever read, there was a cartoon, uh, uh, a French cartoon uh, written years and years ago called uh, Asterix and Obelix. And there's a character, they drink this magic potion and it makes them strong. But one of the characters, Obelix, fell in a bath of the magic potion when he was a baby and he doesn't need to drink it anymore because he's got it permanently in his system. Well, with me, it's like, I don't know, you could just give me as much cannabinoids and THC as you can throw and it's uh, unlikely that it's going to make me uh, that high, to be honest, because it seems like my body actually takes it all to fight all this stuff that's happening inside me. Wow. So give me the brownies, give me the cakes, give me cannabis cookies, uh, give me what you got. A uh, full like the meal. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know Pac-Man, you see Pac-Man, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's me. But, but I've, I've actually thought of myself as like a, a cannabis vampire. Uh, you know, like you could have that Count Dracula be looking at people's necks thinking, oh, gosh, there might be a juicy uh, bit of blood there. I'm looking at cannabinoids thinking, gosh, you know, look at that fantastic. How's that going to make me feel? I'm going to walk even further today. Oh, my God. So do you only use cannabis or do you also use other medication combined? Great question. Great question. Now, this is a question that I... I'm really excited about this side of things, Leah, and I reckon your podcast is going to perhaps take it further. Yes, I do. I do combine it. And sometimes I combine it to drive my cannabis dollar further, if you like, um, to, to you know, give me a bigger effect for less. So, for example, you might want to use magnesium. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes in the evenings might take magnesium uh, with my cannabis, and I find that's fantastic. Uh, so you could, there's another uh, one called magnesium L3-inate. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Uh, it's, uh, but you could take that cannabis. It can almost make your mind sharper, I find, uh, with that combo. Uh, yes, I do. I take vitamins as well. I'm very into natural health. And I'm very interested in using other things to maximise uh, the, 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 the power of cannabis. So, yeah, I'm very keen on magnesium, very keen on, on all of these things. Well, well done. <laughs> yeah. So, um, how? So, you want to treat your condition with cannabis in the long run? You said. Well, actually, yeah, that's right. So, this is a great moment. So, the, I've still got the hepatitis C virus. So, I'm quite uh, dissimilar to a lot of people in my group. They've cleared theirs. But as I've said, it's not like you clear it. If you've had it for decades and you clear it, you just get well. No, no, you're left with a lifelong, many people lifelong fatigue pain, osteoarthritis, uh, neurological conditions, cancer, on and on and on. So I've, I didn't want to use these antivirals. And now that I've got this major neurological condition, they probably want to prescribe me a bunch of uh, you know, medication for that, which can have lots of side effects. And then they'll want to prescribe me drug therapy like antivirals for the hep C. And I'm thinking, hold on here, my bone marrow failed. 
because of a pharmaceutical preparation and it's in remission, but I haven't had a transplant. So I don't want to risk too many drugs for this and that. So I'm thinking, you know what? I, I'm gonna, this has been my life story almost. It's been building up to this moment. I'm actually gonna get rid of it using cannabis. And I'm gonna announce that today to you, Leah. This is the moment, you bet. And uh, actually I'm gonna start up a podcast myself for members of my group to follow this journey. And others, if you're listening, um, it'll be called Join High Adventure. And uh, it uh, be up in, in time ahead. And what it's about is, can the endocannabinoid system, this system that was just discussing with Leah, we have it inside of us, these receptors that know what to do with, with cannabis. Okay, they know what to do with it. That's the thing. They don't necessarily know what to do with drugs. We don't have an internal system for some of these pharmaceutical preparations. They're, they're foreign to us and treated as toxic substances. So I want to use, if you look on the internet, have a look. You know, hep C affects millions and millions of people around the world today. Have a look how much these drug antiviral treatments cost. You're looking at 50,000 US dollars, 70,000 US dollars. How are people going to afford that? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be mindful of people around the world who don't have access to these drug treatments, which are very costly. I'm going to be mindful of people around the world that probably don't want the side effects, that maybe they do have them but don't want the side effects. And I'm going to say, okay, let's see. CBD has been shown to massively re reduce the viral load of something like hepatitis C, okay? All right, so I'm gonna do that. I'll get some really good CBD happening, right? And then I'm gonna bring in the Mike Tyson, the uh, the, the virus killer, the, the, the cancer killer, as I know it. And I'm gonna hit it with some really strong THC. And uh, I, I might give my body some love in the, in the, in the shape of maybe some lovely uh, juices, maybe some uh, uh, um, celery juice, is it the, uh, Medical medium uh, in America, he talks about celery juice. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll do I celery drink, juice. <laughs> yeah. so I drink. My mom makes so many juices, but like like apples, lettuce, carrots. Like every time I go what? home from school, juice, juice, juice. Like yeah, three, four yeah. times a day. <laughs> Your mother loves you. Your mother yeah. loves you. Your mother loves you. How about a beetroot juice? Has she ever offered you that? She hasn't. Oh, well, uh, ask her for that one time and see if you can drink it. Uh, I'm going to drink it uh, because it's actually one of the best things you can ever have for your liver. So uh, it really is. If uh, anyone out there, if you can grab an organic beetroot or even a regular beetroot, juice it and uh, you'll get great results. So that's what uh, the future looks like for me. We're going to go on this high adventure. Um, my whole life's been a roller coaster with all this uh, stuff. So why not one more adventure, which is, um, yeah, why not? Why not see if I can do it? I'm excited. Yeah, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll look to, when we start this, if you'd be so kindly, because your knowledge, this is what uh, people in our group who listen to your podcast, um, your knowledge and, and the things that you're uh, talking about in your, your program has the kind of um, insight, you know, those little pieces of information. For example, um, when I was listening to the episode on PTSD, your guest spoke about how some of her clients, people that uh, she was helping with PTSD, uh, didn't always use what you might naturally think, which was an indica strain, the, uh, that type of strain, which is more renowned for calming and sleep. Uh, instead, uh, she was talking about how some of them use that sativa strain, which uh, perhaps is, is more energetic. I found that sort of information, crucial information uh, for us to explore because uh, there's such a, as you said, such a diversity uh, of uses of this plant. So uh, it's going to be really exciting. Perhaps we'll, we'll ask you questions if you've been so kind. We'll reach out to you if we have people in our group that have questions about uh, cannabis and what it can do for them. 
Of course, I will look into anything. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So what are your goals for your nonprofit association? Well, there are other uh, groups like ours around the world, and their goals are very noble, and they want to get justice and uh, compensation for those infected and affected. And we're no different. We want exactly the same thing. But being Aussies, uh, we enjoy the outdoors. We love sunshine uh, and uh, we love nature. And actually, I think it's a, a very Australian response to say, well, what do we want? We want all of the things that you know everyone wants, justice, but we want comebacks. We want Rocky Three. We want to see people who've got, who've been through HIV, who've been through Hep C, perhaps been through cancer. We want the comebacks. We've already seen it. We want more. Uh, I can't get enough. Yeah. So what do we want? We want justice. We want comebacks. And medicinal cannabis is going to go down as the thing that solved Australia's deadliest medical scandal, because this thing can help us with PTSD. It can help us with viral load. It can help us with our symptoms. If, if people are taking drug treatments, it can help minimize symptoms in some cases. We, what we want, we want the comeback. We want the green comeback. We, and anyone listening to the show, you keep listening to Canacheck because uh, I, I will update her on our progress uh, because we're yes. in business. You're, you're going to see a major legal investigation. You'll end up seeing documentaries with us. You'll end up seeing a comeback. I promise you. Amazing. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you believe all victims should receive for what they did to you? Well, uh, what all victims should receive is uh, what we call candor, and, and that is truth from the government. Come on now, tell us, but the government still today in Australia, can you believe, will not tell the public how many thousands of people precisely have been infected and affected. They won't do it. And that's not good enough from health service. We need to move forward. So we need the truth. We do need an apology um, and we do need people to be put back as best as possible to where they would have been without these infections, okay? And as I said to you before, part of that is justice, part of that is compensation, but what we want in Australia for that to be also is health. Come yeah. on, let's get more people like me who just can't wait to wake up each day. Uh, you know, that wasn't always the case, by the way. <laughs> I used to dread waking up because I would, I'd wake up to be sick. I'd wake up to be ill, like the little boy H I spoke to you about earlier, he used to carry a bucket around with him. Because you know, if he went anywhere, he had a bucket to be sick, okay? That was our lives. It's no longer our lives now because we've got access to, to solutions. So what do we want? We want to end up with, with, yeah, we want to end up with this wonderful medicine and justice. Yes. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah. how can the listeners help and support you? Your well, how they, well, how they can help, uh, and, and it'd be wonderful if they could help, is just to, you know, the number one thing that uh, the baddies, if you want to call them the baddies, the people who are covering up Australia's deadliest medical scandal, the number one thing they don't want is light being uh, uh, put on this subject. They want it to remain ignored, okay? Well, how they can help is uh, they can follow us at Infected Blood Australia. Uh, we're on Instagram. Uh, we were on Facebook. Unfortunately, Facebook censors us quite a bit. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg being a bit naughty, although he's lost a bit of money recently. So there's, our, uh, there's a bit of justice for you. But um, they can, they can uh, go to our website, infectedbloodaustralia.com, and they can uh, read some of the articles, watch some of the videos, and they can write to the Australian government, write to our government, write to our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, say, hey, the world knows. 
The world knows that you've kept us prisoner, these people prisoner for 35 years in this silence. Also what they can do, and this would be really great actually, Leah, and this is why it's so good because as I said, members of our group listen to your podcast. And the reason for that, I think, is, um, well, I think it is because of the information that you've got. It's more detailed than other sorts of podcasts. There's an enthusiasm. It, it really comes across like you're searching yourself for this information. It's, it's exciting. Yes. This is research that you want to do. Yes, it's part uh -huh. of your journey as well. Yep. And we're on that same journey, but we're not as progressed as you. We're, we're just patients. Whereas, you know, in a small way, you've become a, a bit of a, a guide to us, uh, you know what I mean, in what you're looking at. So, yeah, we, we want to continue the path. And what people can do, if they've got tips, if they're medicinal cannabis users, uh, they can follow us in Effective Blood Australia, but you can also follow us, as I say, on Join High Adventure, where I'll be trying to cure my hep C, and I'll be trying to cure other people with cancer in our group, and they can follow us there. Uh, we're on Instagram. And if they could give us tips, we'd love to have your tips. Do you know uh, the best use of, uh, have you got some great ideas on cannabis? Or like Leah and I were just saying, do you use something else? Are you using magnesium? Are you using vitium, uh, vitamins? Are you drinking certain teas? What are you doing? I'd like to hear. We'd like to have all the information because we want to overcome PTSD. We want to overcome AIDS, hepatitis C, and all of it. Yes. Ooh, that yeah. was a great ending. <laughs> wow. No worries. Wow, wow, wow. I am so thankful that you took the time to share all of that. I am so excited to share this with my listeners and the world. <laughs> so I, I am so excited that I, I, I'm announcing today, as I said, I'm announcing that I'm going to get rid of this lifelong virus I've had since a kid. I've been, you know, in this prison since a kid and, and cannabis has provided that, that opportunity, that doorway. Uh, I can get rid of the virus. I'll feel good. And uh, life is great. And, and, and I didn't always think life could be great. And this is what this has done, this medicine has done. I am its big fan. And I have to say, I'm a fan of your podcast and the information that you research. It, it's a noble pursuit. It really is, Leah. I'm very happy to have been on here today, very genuinely. It's been, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has canna conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network. Thank you.